0: Time for another edition of the Right Bible Podcast. Stripping away 2,000 years of false doctrine isn't easy, but we've had lots of coffee. Now your host, Darren Kalama. People who live in America's South have a way of encapsulating complex subjects into easily digestible thought bubbles, and one of my favorites is a saying that they have that goes, I may not know how you did it, but I know you did it. It's a phrase that occasionally runs through my head as I use the first Bible as a kind of cryptographic key and compare its original gospel and scripture with what we find in today's modern edited Bible. And the other day was no different as I was preparing notes for the latest podcast to show that I thought was going to be about Jesus' descent and return to visit with the Apostles after his resurrection. It was the visit in which he ate a meal with them, some honeycomb and broiled fish, proving to them he had returned in the flesh, and he wasn't a ghost or a spirit. Now, this is what happened according to the Gospel of the Lord as we know it in the very first Bible, and that same event is also found in Luke twenty-four forty-two in your modern Bible. Everybody agrees it happened that way. There's no controversy here, no matter which Bible you read. Now, obviously, when Jesus returned for that visit, it wasn't necessary for him to be born of a virgin again. He simply descended from heaven in human form and met with them. He's the Son of God, after all, and such a thing would be effortless for him. And in the Gospel of the Lord, we learn the way he first appeared on earth is the same way in which he visited with the apostles after his resurrection. He simply descended from heaven and took on a human form. Hardly controversial, you would think. After all, it wouldn't be the first time he did that. And it's confirmed even in Luke, as we just read. In any event, that was the thumbnail for the show, and we'll do one on that. But something happened that caused those plans to be on hold. You see, I had wanted to compare how the modern Bible Gospels begin against the original Gospel of the Lord and was just about to close mark with all of its John the Baptist intro uh, deciding that it it really just wasn't germane to the show when a little farther down the page something caught my eye I recognized words that looked the same as we see in the Gospel of the Lord and not just similar the exact same words then I noticed the exact same sentences And in some cases entire paragraphs were copied exactly from the gospel of the lord this mark gospel as it turns out was simply an amateurish copy and paste job with some ideologically driven editing thrown in really just run-of-the-mill plagiarism and this isn't just speculation on my part i'm going to show you and you'll also conclude the same thing but it won't be because of my powers of persuasion but because it's in the same exact Bible that you have in front of you, and you can read it for yourself. But before we get into this, we need to know what everybody agrees with as being facts. First, the author of Mark is unknown, and his name was added to the manuscript sometime in the late 1st century, maybe even the 2nd century. But be that as it may, let's just say it was Mark. Home field advantage and all that. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt here I want the Judaizers to have every advantage so there's no whining later okay it was Mark now what do we know about Mark for starters we know he wasn't an apostle we also know he never met or talked to Jesus now that looks bad but he wasn't a complete nobody Mark was known as Peter's translator he was very close to the Apostle Peter peter even referred to him as his and i quote spiritual son unquote but that's not the only thing we know about mark we know that mark was a trusted traveling companion of the apostle paul in fact paul mentions him twice in his original epistles mark is not the figment of someone's imagination he was very real and he had a very real history and according to the modern bible mark Caused some major problems between Paul and Barnabas, another of Paul's traveling companions. But it's subject matter really for another show because I want to try to stay focused here and it's very easy to get lost in the weeds. Now after this big dust-up, which we can also read about in Acts thirteen thirteen, Mark leaves Paul and Barnabas and returns to Jerusalem to meet back with Peter, his spiritual mentor. And afterwards, we get the gospel of Mark. Now, this is more than a little interesting because the entire time that he was with Paul, what was being preached? What gospel was Paul preaching? The gospel he refers to a number of times as my gospel. And remember this from Galatians 1.8, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul's gospel is the revelation that he received directly from Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Paul also warns us about a false gospel. Again, the subject matter for another show, and yes, we know which gospel Paul is referring to. And Mark wasn't the only one to pop out his own gospel after traveling with Paul. Guess who else did? Yeah, Luke. The gospel of Luke and Acts. Mark and Luke both traveled with the Apostle Paul and preached Paul's gospel with him. And after leaving Paul, both did what? Both wrote their own gospels. That they weren't, you know. I- but this isn't about the copy-paste plagiarism you're about to see and hear, and in a bit we'll tell you why it was done. But first, let's get to the proof of plagiarism, and it's easy to do. Assuming you already have a modern Bible, you just need a copy, a free copy, of the very first Bible to follow along. And you can either do that, um, go to the website, theveryfirstbible.org, and click on an original gospel uh, link, or just type in four words in your browser, the very first Bible, and pick up the paperback. Either way, it doesn't matter which version you get. Again, this is very easy because of the low-effort plagiarism on display with Mark. In fact, let's just start with the beginning of both Gospels. Now, the YouTube and video watchers will see slides, and for our podcast listeners, I'm going to do a readout on a few examples so you can follow along. And what kind of makes um, uh, this project even easier As you follow along, as I go through these slides, you're going to notice that they kind of mirror each other, the original and Mark, um, in a chronological fashion. So, we'll see that even here in chapter 1. Literally, the first paragraph of chapter 1, we find our first uh, example of plagiarism. From the original, they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was an authority, from Mark. People were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, from the original. Let us alone. What have we done to you, Jesus? Are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And from Mark, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. Well, that didn't take long, did it? A couple sentences and we're already in the weeds. Remember when I asked why would they do this? Why would they rewrite Paul's Gospel? I wanted to save that for another show, but this first example makes it unavoidable that we deal with at least a portion of the question, and I'm gonna try to be brief on this. In the original, the demon says, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus? But in Mark, the demon says, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? See, in the original, the demon addresses Jesus simply as Jesus. But in Mark, this demon goes out of its way to add Jesus of Nazareth. Apparently, the demon has also become a tour guide. So helpful of the demon to add geographical sub-references when it addresses the Son of God. Yes, very helpful. Now, obviously it's ridiculous, but for the casual reader of the Bible, they would just gloss right over it. I mean, what's the big deal? It doesn't mean anything. Probably just the way people differentiated uh, people with uh, the same names by annotating where they were from. And this demon, I guess, just wanted Jesus to know he was speaking to him and not to some other Jesus, even though they were just to feed from each other. Right. Right. Now, without the original Gospel, you wouldn't even know it was added. But why would adding the word Nazareth be such a big deal? Well, it wasn't by accident. And it gets into why the original Gospel was rewritten and edited in the first place. Why it was Judaized to weave Torah law into every facet of it. Now, theologically, the first use of Jesus of Nazareth in the New Testament connects Jesus with the Jewish Messiah John 1 reveals Philip found Nathanael and said to him we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph now this phrase Jesus of Nazareth son of Joseph highlighted the fact that Jesus was Jewish in his origin though he had been raised for part of his childhood in Egypt Jesus, they say, was born in Bethlehem in Matthew 1 and Luke 2, and born there of Jewish parents raised mostly in Nazareth, a Jewish town in Galilee. See the trend? Jerome and other church leaders connected, he shall be called a Nazarene with the prophecy stated in Isaiah 11.1. 1. Now there, the branch Nazar in Hebrew was a reference to the Messiah, one who would be known as a Nazarene. And this would also fit well with the prophets referred to in Matthew 2.23, since this theme is evident elsewhere. Uh, Jeremiah 23.5, Zechariah 3.8, and 6.12. Now, the first Christians like the Marcionites knew that all of this was complete nonsense because Jesus came to earth by simply descending from heaven and none of this birth narrative is even in the original gospel in fact it's not even in Mark now that's probably because Mark copy and pasted the original and the birth story isn't in the original but he did add some Judaic Torah law references like this Nazareth bit now remember according to them if Jesus had Jewish parents he was born of Jews and that made him a Jew who was also all about Torah laws. So you can kind of see the agenda working through here and that's not even all of the agenda because the big reveal on all of this is pretty stunning and we're getting there so hold on. Now by the way as long as we're on this subject of Nazareth it's interesting to note that it's the next town that Jesus visits in the original gospel. And Jesus is there for a very short period of time, and he doesn't heal anybody, and he doesn't cast out any demons. In fact, he tells those people stories about some Jewish cities that don't receive help from God. Now this enrages the Jews so much, they take him out of the city and try to throw him off the side of a cliff. Nazareth is mentioned only one other time, and that in passing after Jesus' resurrection by an obscure character. So, if anything, we can say Jesus had no great liking for Nazareth or its people. And isn't it interesting that Mark doesn't merely edit the attempted murder of Jesus in Nazareth, he deletes it completely from his gospel, and then clumsily glosses over the event chronologically by just saying, Jesus returned to Capernaum. Now, for some reason it was decided that Luke's version of the Gospel would recount a story of the attempted murder in Nazareth, and in many ways we see that Luke and Acts was used uh, uh, to clean up a lot of the loose ends created by the early Judaizers and the editors. In any event, this is but one uh, tiny example of that artful, deceptive weaving, And, uh, and they did it with the addition of a single word. All right, let's get back to our examples. Where were we? The first chapter again from the original. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Now from Mark. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching, and with authority... He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. From the original. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with various diseases brought them unto him. From Mark. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. From the original. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak. Now Mark, He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. From the original, And it came to pass, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you wilt, you can make me clean. From Mark, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. From the original, touched him, saying, I will. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. From Mark, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. From the original, but go and show yourself to the priest. From Mark. But go, show yourself to the priest. From the original. Saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. From Mark. He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. From the original. Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? from mark why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners the original they that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick I come not to call the righteous but sinners and from mark it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick I have not come to call the righteous but sinners from the original no man puts a piece of new garment upon an old garment, otherwise both the new makes a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agrees not with the old. And no man puts new wine into old wineskins, else the new wine will burst the skins, and itself will be spilled, and the skins will perish. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now for Mark... No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the new will will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. So there you have it. In some respects really it's just clumsy plagiarism. But when we look deeper at the agenda behind it, we see there was much more at play and much more at stake. The Judaizers were hell-bent on weaving Torah law references into the Gospels, and they were equally as driven to create a Jewish backstory for Jesus. Now as Christians, we know that Jesus descended to earth to save all of us, not just some self-worshipping tribe in the desert. And that's what we find in the original Gospel the Gospel of the Lord. Stay tuned for Grand Theft Gospel Part 2, where we break open the big kosher piñata of Matthew. And remember to follow along on the show, pick up a copy of the very first Bible, just type in those four words, the very first Bible, into your browser and pick up a free copy. I'm Darren Kalama, and this has been the Right Bible Podcast.